Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. It's a sobering day in America. As everybody knows, we're seeing the number of deaths and cases of coronavirus soar in America. Some or all of us probably know somebody who's been affected by it, either in a small or big way. And our hearts and our thoughts and our prayers go out to anyone whose family has been affected uh, by this great scourge. Uh, We've got some great uh, guests and information today, uh, starting with Congressman Jim Jordan. Yes, the ranking Republican on the House Judiciary Committee. He joins us to talk about the new FISA report that came out by the Inspector General, the larger questions of whether the FBI really has reformed itself from the failures of the Comey era, and uh, what we uh, what else may need to be investigated or will come out about the Russia hoax of 2016. That's going to be a great interview. I hope you join us for that. Uh, Congressman Jordan is on the front lines of this investigation. He's calling for a hearing right now uh, to have the FBI come in and describe why it made so many mistakes on so many FISA applications, not just the Russia one, but uh, out of 29 that were reviewed over the last five years, all 29 had flaws, including false information, uncorroborated information, These are mistakes that aren't clerical. These are mistakes that affect American civil liberties. And Congressman Jordan is going to talk about that with us in a few minutes. So stay tuned for that. Also, after the commercial break, we're going to come back. An amazing story by my colleague, Christine Dolan, who's really done a great job at Just the News and digging into how we were so ill prepared for this coronavirus pandemic going back 10, 15 years. You won't want to miss the story she had on how Barack Obama failed to resupply the national stockpile and get those N95 respirators that we so desperately need in the hospitals now, get them back in the stockpile after an earlier pandemic. You're going to want to hear that story as well. But first, let's go to the commercial break. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back from the commercial break. And remember, please uh, support our sponsors and our advertisers. They make this show possible, even in the middle of the coronavirus epidemic, when sales and and, uh, activity around America has slowed down. They are amazing friends and supporters and partners of the show. And anything you can do to support them supports this show. So I thank you in advance for, for considering that. 
All right, we're going to have Congressman Jim Jordan here in a second. We're going to talk all things FBI and Russia. Uh, there's so much more we're still learning. Anyone who thought we had the entire confines of the Russia collusion case cornered, that we knew everything that went wrong, boy, we're learning a lot more. And perhaps most concerningly, we're learning that the FBI, under Chris Ray, has many of the same problems that were still or invented or uh, uh, infected during the James Comey era. I have a column out today. It's on Real Clear Politics and in Just the News that talks about the culture of noncompliance that James Comey created inside the uh, FBI. And uh, it looks at three or four IG reports in the last year that show that things that we saw in the Russia case, mishandling of a confidential human source like Christopher Steele, uh, uh, false information in FISA warrants, uh, the culture of leaking and lying, uh, that these things were not isolated incidences that started in the Russia case, that they seem to permeate a much larger culture inside the FBI. And what's most concerning, when you look at the uh, report, and we talked about this on Tuesday's podcast, uh, right when it was breaking news, but as I've had time to dig into it more, when you have 29 uh, FISA warrants that are reviewed across multiple offices in multiple states, Across multiple time frames, five years, going from James Comey all the way up to the present with Christopher Ray, and all 29 FISA warrants were wrong. They were problematic. They didn't follow the rules. They contained inaccurate information. They contained uncorroborated information. Even though the FISA warrant is stamped verified by those who signed it at the FBI, there is a cultural problem that goes back uh, several years that now permeates this FBI, and it's going to be on to Chris Ray to make sure that this agency, this premier law enforcement agency that does so much important work to protect us and to solve crimes and find missing people, that it gets itself right, that it begins to fix in rapid fashion those activities, those cultures, those neglectful actions that uh, we're violating American civil liberties. Because at the end of the day, these aren't clerical errors in these FISA warrants. These aren't clerical errors in the handling of a confidential informant like Christopher Steele or many others. These are mistakes that, uh, when practiced, violate the very civil liberties that each of us enjoy under the Constitution. The FBI has enormous powers, enormous uh, capabilities, and they need to practice those powers carefully. It's encoded in the law. It's encoded in the rules. The problem that we found is that they're not uh, being followed. So rules are great, but only if they're followed. And I want to read one thing that was in my story, the one that's up today, the one that's on Real Clear Politics and on justthenews.com. Uh, uh, I interviewed one of the great <clears throat> FBI leaders of the past generation. He worked for Robert Mueller back when the FBI was uh, dealing with the effects of the post-9-11 era. And uh, Kevin Brock, former intelligence chief of the FBI, had some very strong words about what happened when James Comey took over in 2013 uh, and, and put his own imprimatur on the FBI. And this is what Kevin Brock said. It's a very, very, very important uh, reflection on a person who was in a re, uh, position of responsibility and, by the way, created a lot of the rules that are supposed to be followed today on uh, handling informants and handling uh, FISA warrants. Here's what he said. He said that the most recent IG finding, just like the prior ones in the last six months or so, 
are reflective of a careless and negligent culture that was allowed to grow under Comey's leadership. That's a direct quote from Kevin Brock, former FBI intelligence chief. Uh, and he says that when you discover a pattern of FISA affidavits in national security cases where the allegations are not corroborated, they're not substantiated, then it starts to explain why Comey's team thought that they could obtain a FISA warrant on Carter Page targeting the Trump campaign without any real facts. The truth is, nobody was checking. Now, that's from an inside the FBI G-man, someone who had the same level of responsibility as people like Peter Strzok and others that handled the Russia case. And what he is saying is Comey created a culture where rules were overlooked, where means justified the uh, uh, ends justified the means. And uh, that is why when those who carried out the Russia FISA uh, started cheating, when they doctored a document, when they used the Steele dossier and marked it verified, when it was anything but verified, when they submitted false and unverified statements to the FISA court, the reason they felt confident doing that, according to Kevin Brock, is that nobody was watching the shop. There was no consequence. There was no oversight. There was no penalty for cheating. That is an epidemic of noncompliance that infects the FBI still today. Anybody who thinks the FBI is completely fixed from the um, episode that was the Russia collusion case uh, or that the Russia collusion case was simply an aberration, a one-off, a bad set of eggs on one case, they're all wrong. This is endemic, systematic, they're systemic. We need oversight. We need hearings. We need more coverage because I don't think we know everything that's going wrong inside our incredible premier law enforcement agency, the FBI. And we're going to talk to Jim Jordan in a second about that. He's the ranking member on House Judiciary. He was one of the leading members to uh, in Congress to take on the Russia narrative when many Republicans and all Democrats were basically buying into the Russia collusion narrative Congressman Jim Jordan, joined by a few others like Mark Meadows and Lindsey Graham and Chuck Grassley and um, uh, Matt Gates, they dug in. They found that the truth that was being sold to us was anything but true, that there was an entirely different narrative. And we're going to talk to Congressman Jim Jordan in a second. I think he's got some strong thoughts about what comes next and what Congress can do to fix uh, what still ails the FBI. Now, before we go to commercial break and get ready for Congressman Jordan, I want to point out another story. Uh, my colleague, Christine Dolan, has been working with me, and we've done a lot of reporting over the last two weeks to try to understand how did we enter this pandemic, this coronavirus uh, epidemic, with uh, so little preparation, so little supply, so little strategy, so few medicines that could at least treat the symptoms or alleviate the worst advancement of the infection. And over the last few weeks, she and I have given you stories about chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine two anti-malaria uh, drugs that showed promise all the way back in 2003 uh, and uh, yet were never given clinical tests to be ready for the next coronavirus outbreak that we just experienced. Uh, it was one failure of leadership, one failure of federal science. Uh, science. Uh, then we told you the story about all the wasted money that NIH has spent on, on drunken monkeys and partying college tailgaters, things that are vanity studies that don't bring real value, particularly in a pandemic. And how those studies and those expenditures took resources away from being prepared for the next coronavirus pandemic. But the latest story that Christine Dolan did has a, a very powerful headline on it. How Obama's failure to resupply respirators in the federal stockpile 
created a 2020 crisis. This is a story that very few media members have had the courage to tell. We are now hearing uh, yesterday, particularly very poignantly, that uh, the the supply of respirators and, and the stockpile that the federal government created for a pandemic are down to nothing. And uh, we've distributed it all we had. And we dug into it and said, well, how could this be? How could we be spending hundreds of millions of dollars of years a year on equipment to keep this national strategic stockpile stocked and not have any respirators? And the answer is, according to Christine's great reporting, that after the 2009 H1N1 swine flu epidemic, pandemic, uh, there had been 100 million masks sitting in, in storage ready to go. Those were depleted. Uh, there were two shipments. I think the total amount was 97 million. We kept hospitals well supplied, well stocked during that pandemic. We got through it. But then in the aftermath of the pandemic, the government made a, a choice, and that was not to spend much more money on resupplying the N95 respirators, the masks that you see your doctors and nurses needing to wear to protect themselves from this hideous virus. Instead, they put it towards things like uh, uh, nerve agent antidotes and anthrax antibiotics and anthrax vaccines. Now, in fairness, those medicines expire, and so you got to keep them resupplied. But nobody, nobody appears to have raised their hand in the government and said, we need 100 million, 200 million respirator masks to get back to the supply levels we had before 2009. This occurred in 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, eight years of the Obama uh, uh, tenure. Nobody restocked those uh, supplies. In fairness, in the first couple of years of the Trump administration, nobody resupplied them. But by that time, eight years had passed and the warnings, the concerns about the respirators had become a distant memory. It's why acting in government quickly when you know there's a crisis matters. Fixing things when we're not in a crisis is the way to be ready for the crisis. And in this case, as Christine Dolan powerfully uh, provided us, we dropped the ball, starting with the Obama administration. The national stockpile, which we created at the end of the Clinton administration, which in 2005, the Bush administration uh, made ready for pandemics. It had originally been created for terrorist attacks, and then it was expanded to include pandemics and terror attacks. We did not resupply those masks that we used in 2009, and we left today's frontline heroes, the doctors, the nurses, the healthcare workers, the lab technicians, the police officers, the EMTs. We've left them inexplicably, immorally, without the protections they need to do the job that we ask them. And I want to um, read a quote. There was a guy named Charles Johnson. He's the president of the International Safety Equipment Association, basically the trade group that makes the equipment that keeps this stockpile um, uh, going. And he said, uh, this is a direct quote to Christine Dolan, my colleague, there is really no answer why the supplies were not replenished because the N95 masks are invaluable tools for preparedness, and it was important that they be restocked. I want to I want to say that again. It was important that they be restocked, and they weren't. And uh, Johnson said in the end they decided to use limited funds to buy other things, uh, and that is what's left us in this crisis, particularly those nurses, doctors in the emergency rooms, those EMTs bringing patients in sometimes five, ten times a day in New York City to the hospital, each one of those ambulances, they're without these masks. They're running out. This is a failure of leadership, a failure of strategic planning, a failure to take something we created that was designed to solve this problem and execute it the way it was. 
what a tragedy. We're going to have to learn from this. I think there needs to be the sort of post 9-11 re-examination of our preparedness that we did after the terror attack sucker punched us at the World Trade Center in the Pentagon. We need to go back now and figure out how all of these instruments that we created, the national stockpile, the pandemic plan, uh, the NIH, uh, coronavirus research, how could all of these uh, systems that we set up to protect us be so poorly prepared to protect us? So something to ponder as we go to commercial break. When we come back, Congressman Jim Jordan, you're not going to want to miss this. Buckle your seatbelt. The Russia world is about to rock. If you are concerned about the FBI, the Russia collusion case, you're going to want to tune into this interview. We'll be back in a second. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook a, a vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, Congressman Jim Jordan, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee and a lawmaker who dug into the Russia collusion story before anyone else and figured out that it was bunk. He's joining us. We're so lucky to have him. Congressman, welcome to John Solomon Reports and Just the News. Good to be uh, good to be with you. I don't know if I dug in any sooner than you did, though, John. <laughs> you did a lot of great work, and we appreciate that. Yeah, there was a we good really group of do. people. We were very lucky, so... Well, you had um, a letter out, sir. We had this amazing moment, which our, our mm -hmm. podcast is familiar with because it actually broke when our podcast was uh, going on Tuesday. But this new IG report, yeah. which shows that the FISA process right. wasn't just broken in Russia. It was broken across the board. What's your what's your take and what's your biggest concern so far? Well, no, you're exactly right. It wasn't just Carter Page. And contrary to what uh, Jim Comey told us, which when we said, you know, everything was fine, the process was all good. Um it wasn't, it wasn't, that wasn't the case at all. And it wasn't, again, just Carter Page. It was every single application that, uh, of a random sample that the inspector general looked at 
they found problems with every single one. So in, in, in simple in simple terms, the FBI didn't meet their standards. They were put on notice themselves because they did their own check that they didn't abide by their standards. And then third, they took no action to correct it, and the inspector general found all that out from a random sample. Looking at different field offices, big ones, small ones, a random sample. Every single one had problems with what, what they call the Woods file, which is that, that file they put together that's the supporting documentation and evidence for what they then take to the court. None of that was done the way it's supposed to be, according to their very own uh, uh, standards. And like I said, they did nothing to uh, to correct it. And this is so problematic that, that this is like pulling the fire alarm, as, as Steve Castor, our lawyer, said. Right. Uh, th- this is this is the inspector general hitting the fire alarm. Like, wait a minute, we're we're just getting started on our investigation, but it is so bad what we have found so far, thus far into it. We're going to hit the fire alarm and, and send out this management advisory that they released uh, on Tuesday. It is remarkable. I, uh, I had a chance to interview uh, Kevin Brock, who was the intelligence chief for the FBI back when Bob Mueller ran the bureau. And this is what he said. He said, I've been watching this for about two years now. We're seeing all these reviews, one after the other, about what happened on Comey's uh, watch. And here's what he said. He said, yeah, it's reflective of a careless and negligent culture that was allowed to grow under Comey's leadership. And I wonder if yep. you could talk a little bit about, I mean, you, you came face to face with Comey. You interviewed him. You've uh, deposed mm-hmm. him. Uh, what did we learn about his time as director of the FBI? Well, uh, you're right. It, it looks like they they weren't uh, they weren't paying attention to the things they should have been. They weren't doing things the way they did, even though he came across as the most arrogant, self confident individual you've ever seen. And said we were doing things fine. We had a robust process in place. All the things he said. Turns out he was wrong, as we said before. Turns out, frankly, John, you and I were wrong a little bit. Uh, the, the one area where we were wrong is it was worse than we thought. Exactly. Right? As bad as we said it was for two years now, over two years now, turns out it was worse than we thought. And yet, but what, what I find interesting is they were doing all this wrong on the FISA. But when it came to investigating the president, remember what Comey told us two years ago when we interviewed him in uh, – uh, in the last Congress, when, when Republicans were in control, we, we, we were doing an investigation in the Judiciary Committee, and we interviewed Comey during his deposition. And he said after they – when it got all the way to the point of naming the special counsel, they'd already been investigating the president for months, 10 months. And he said after 10 months of investigation, we still didn't know if we had anything. So they didn't have anything on that investigation, but they continued it. They did all the things that they did. They got a special prosecutor, Mueller named, and they did all that. Meanwhile, on – American citizens with a FISA going to the FISA court, they were screwing that up left and right. So that that's how bad it was under his leadership at the FBI. It really is remarkable. And, and you know, we, we people hear this sometimes. I think, well, maybe it's a clerical error. <clears throat> this isn't a clerical error. This is a direct assault on American civil liberties when we get these processes wrong, right? Yeah. What, remember, um, this is about American citizens. This is this is what the the inspector, Mr. Horowitz, is, is talking. He's he's not looking at what, when when they go to the court to look at foreigners. Frankly, I want them to file on the foreigners. What I care about is American citizens, the fundamental liberties we have under our system, under our constitution, and those were being violated in the processes that the FBI has in place to supposedly safeguard those 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 rights and privileges and freedoms we have in this country. They weren't following those. That's the big problem. It is jaw dropping. And um, when you look at this, there's another party in this dance, right? It's the FISA court itself. Um, how concerned yeah. are you that there just was a rubber stamp culture there? Well, the truth is, we don't know. Um, I mean, Rosemary, J- Judge Collier, back in December, when Mr. Horowitz did his report on the Carter Page FISA situation, um, you know, she issued a statement. Um, 
that that I thought was pretty hard hitting. She basically said, "You guys misled us so many times on the Carter Page Files application, misrepresented things to the court, didn't tell us things." And I'm paraphrasing, but she in essence said, "How are we supposed to trust you on anything else?" Well, it turns out, it turns out you shouldn't trust them on anything else based on what we learned Tuesday. So um, I don't know if they were just rubber stamping, if they if they, if, if they, they look at the material just put in front of them and, and based on what was in front of them, it warranted moving forward with these applications and the FBI wasn't giving them all the info. I just don't know. Let's hope when Mr. Durham completes his investigation on the whole broader issue of, of uh, what happened with Trump Russia and, and spying and everything else, that we get some answers to that question as well. What 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 really was going on in the court itself? Now you've been calling for quite some time for your your counterpart on the committee, uh, Chairman Nadler, to have a hearing. He hasn't shown any interest in digging into this issue, despite the yeah. fact that it really is a great civil libertarian issue. What's going to happen? Yeah. Do you think there'll be any movement on that front? You put out a very cogent letter on Tuesday, really pressing him to to take action. Let's hope. Uh, let's hope so. Um, so far, the Democrats have all been focused on attacking the president, attacking the attorney general. Uh, you know, remember it was yesterday that they were actually two days ago, on Tuesday, the day that the Horowitz uh, Management Advisory came out on the FISA court. That was the day we were supposed to have Bill Barr in front of the um, in front of the uh, uh, Judiciary Committee for his sort of annual trek up the Capitol Hill in front of the House uh, Judiciary Committee. Uh, obviously, with with this this terrible virus issue we're dealing with, that that, that wasn't able to happen. So. Um, Let's, that's been their focus, attacking the president, attacking the attorney general, and, and not really looking at what took place in the, in the, in the Comey FBI and the, in the Obama Justice Department. So let's hope that they will just you know, get back to focus on what our committee is really supposed to do, and that is to safeguard the liberties of the American people. I mean, that's the, the, the storied history of the House Judiciary Committee is to look after the fundamental liberties that we enjoy as American citizens. And part of that is having the inspector general come in and talk about this. But to date, neither neither Chairman Nadler of the Judiciary Committee or, just as importantly, Chairman Maloney of the House Oversight Committee, right. committee I'm also on, the two committees charged with looking at these kind of things, neither one has brought Mr. Horowitz in after his scathing report in December about the Carter Page FISA. Now we have this issue. It seems to me that it, 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 this, he has to come testify. But uh, so far, they've been re reluctant to uh, allow that to happen. You look at the last year of the Judiciary Committee and, and the Oversight Committee, and uh, it all predominantly seemed to focus on impeachment or issues trying to lead to impeachment. And meanwhile, yeah. there were these other amazing uh, uh, and important oversight issues that fell to the wayside. We, we could have been looking at why there weren't enough N95 respirators uh, in the stockpile that weren't yeah. restocked after President uh, Obama drew them down for the H1N1 2009. We could have looked at the yeah. FISA abuses. Do you think, particularly in the House side, that there's a penalty to pay for Democrats for not having their eye on the ball on things that matter more to Americans than what impeachment turned out to be? Yeah, there may be. And, and, and look, there's there's an oversight responsibility that that uh, we have to to say, why why wasn't the the, uh, the the PPEs and the masks and the different things that that are needed? Why weren't they replenished during the Obama years after after things happened uh, 10 years ago with with H1N1? Why didn't that happen? That's that's legitimate oversight. But now what's being talked about is Adam Schiff is, is talking about legislation to create uh, a commission and a panel to look into um, after we get through this this terrible virus to, to look at government's response. My concern is if Adam Schiff is pushing this, this is just yet again another uh, another attack, another 
uh, vehicle to, to, to use to go after President Trump. Uh, if we're going to do legitimate oversight and go back and look at what happened in the previous administration, then, that, then that's fine. But I, I got a feeling that's not the, that's not the plan of Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Yeah, that would be unfortunate for the American public because after 9-11, we did it right. We had that sort of bipartisan way of yep. looking back because we wanted to learn from our mistakes and get better. Uh, is that culture missing in Washington today? Are we so partisan that we seem to have lost the desire to just make us all better? Well, yeah, Nancy Pelosi was trying to get the Green New Deal in the, in the, in the uh, package, the phase three package to, right. to, uh, to help the American uh, people and small business owners. She, she was getting funding for the Kennedy Center in that bill. She, she had money for NPR and all kinds of things that aren't directly related to dealing with this terrible virus that, is, that has hit our nation. So, yeah, let's get past the politics and let's focus on the country. Uh, and that includes making sure a secret court is not spying on American citizens, making sure it's properly predicated if they're going to do that, um, and, and, and a host of other issues. So, yeah, I'm, I think the American people are tired of the, of the partisan games. Let's focus on, on doing what's best for the country, which is what this president has done for three years. Unfortunately, the Democrats just want to keep attacking him. It's been a remarkable dynamic in Washington. I'm, I want to get a little more to pandemic, but I, I have a couple more questions on Russia because you've done such a good job and you have such a command of the subject matter. We now know that the FBI systemically has a problem with how it processes FISAs. We now know that they don't handle their confidential informants properly, like Christopher Steele, because the report back in November showed that multiple informants weren't being handled right. Yeah. It seems to me that the next area that the investigation goes is the possibility or probability that the FBI was doing things in that December 2015 to June 2016 period, before they had an official investigation open called Crossfire Hurricane. Can you tell us, have you learned anything or do you suspect that we're going to learn new revelations about FBI and CIA spying that predate the authorization of an investigation? Well, I think, and I, my guess is you probably share this, uh, the suspicion I have. Um, I, I don't have proof for it, but there's there's an individual who I know you've talked about and written about, and, uh, Joseph Nipsitz, who I actually um, brought up and questioned Mr. Mueller uh, when he had his public hearing right. um, a year ago. And uh, this guy's an interesting guy because he, he, he shows up. Uh, we don't know how he's linked uh, necessarily to various countries' intelligent appar uh, intelligence apparatus, but he's an interesting guy who was, who was there when the FBI did get a chance to interview him. <clears throat> he lied to the FBI several times, and yet he was never charged, right. and he's been missing now for, I don't know, a year and a half or so. so and that was happening. This mysterious guy was showing up, meeting with key people like Stephanopoulos and others um, during the time frame you just described, John. So I, I don't know. Uh, I do. I do know that Mr. Durham is looking uh, based on based on statements that the attorney general has made. Mr. Durham is looking into this. I think that is entirely appropriate. I think it is, is almost required if you're doing an investigation the way I think it should be done. So um, we'll see. But my, my guess is I, I have the same suspicions that you have about that time frame and about that individual as well as some others. Yeah. And so far, Congress hasn't really had any chance to get a briefing from uh, Durham or Barr on, on what's no. been learned since then. Do you expect that might happen in the future? Well, remember, the attorney general said that he expects the investigation and, and then some kind of uh, – presentation or report, um, I assume, but he, he said he expects the investigation to end sometime this summer. Right. So let's hope it's early summer. Let's, let's, let's hope we get through this um, and, and, and get back to a, a more normal 
America and get through this this virus uh, issue, and then <clears throat> we'll wait for we'll wait for that information, and then we can proceed with uh, making sure we get the truth. Yeah, no, that's that'll be a key moment, I think, to to kind of close the loop. From what you've seen, when you see that these FISA warrants were also problematic during Chris Ray's tenure that the handling of confidential informants, those problems carried into the Chris Ray administration of the FBI. What's your assessment of the current uh, FBI director and what may he need to do next to regain not only Congress's confidence, but the American public's confidence in his institution? I, I, I don't know that he, uh, I mean, I don't know Chris Ray that well. I do know in, in public hearings, he doesn't seem to have the same, um, the same intensity about uh, uh, and concern uh, about what took place and what still may be happening based again on, on what we just learned on Tuesday from, from Mr. Horowitz. So um, I, I hope there's the, the, the real commitment and intensity to clean this up. Now, we passed some legislation in the House uh, a month ago um, that, that had a number of good reforms. Now, it didn't, it didn't go far enough. I mean, shoot, I wanted to go a lot further. But we felt this was some progress we could make. Went to the Senate. They couldn't get that passed. Uh, they sent back a 75-day um, uh, just clean reauthorization of the current law governing FISA and, and, and the FISA court, uh, and the House didn't take that up. So right now the FISA law has actually lapsed. Yeah. Um, that may not be all bad, frankly, for uh, uh, for when you're thinking about Americans' liberties, but I do think uh, we need to get some of the reforms enacted that we have in our legislation, and frankly, if we can go farther, we, we need to do that. Um, Chris Ray didn't seem to be that interested in those when I brought some of those up in a hearing right. uh, a, a few weeks back. So we'll uh, we'll just see. But um, I, I think this there needs to be an intensity uh, uh, focused uh, on 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 cleaning this thing up. When you when you look at the court system in general, the 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 reason it's worked so well for two three centuries is the fact that we have an adversarial opportunity, right? A person who's accused gets to make their side of the case yeah. to the judge, and that doesn't happen in the FISA matter. Uh, but in the FISA court, do you think it's time? Would, would you be open to supporting uh, having an advocate, you know, a secret advocate who, uh, while the person doesn't know they're being FISA targeted, they're representing their interests? Is that one of the ideas that ultimately could could fix this court? We we def we definitely like that. We we pushed that idea. Um, it, it it became a, a watered down amicus type of process right. where you have. Uh, uh, someone there who's supposed to represent the interest, not the client directly, but at least the interest of the of the not the client, I should say, no, the, the citizen, um, not in a direct way, but in a in a way that that stands up for their their liberties. Um, that got watered down in the legislation we passed in the House. I would I would like a more robust amicus process and a, and something that is much closer to an adversarial relationship in that court because that's that's how it works in our other courts and that's that's one of the hallmarks and what makes our system the best system ever. Yeah, it's tried and true, so it seems like the right place to go. Uh, just a couple more quick questions yep. I want to ask. Um, uh, from what you've seen, we've seen the alteration of an FBI document to make it look like Carter Page wasn't uh, helping the CIA when he w was, these false statements, the hiding of evidence about Steele. Do you feel confident now that FBI employees committed crimes in the process of the Russia investigation? When you, why hasn't that individual who directly changed the meaning, altered it 180 degrees, yeah. saying one thing and then switched the meaning 180 degrees, why hasn't that person been prosecuted? Yeah. I mean, that's the part that, look, we know that, this lawyer number, whatever he was, why hasn't he been prosecuted? And, and you get the same thing that I get. Every 
people come up to me, when is someone going to jail? Because they are sick of this double standard. So uh, at a minimum, a guy who falsified a document that was then used to buttress the case to go to the court to get a warrant to spy on a citizen of this country. What? You're not going to prosecute pretty remarkable, isn't Give it? Me a- if you and I so, had done it, so, we'd already be hauled yeah, away in handcuffs, happen. I'm pretty certain. Well, yeah, you're, you're, they have already released, in, in, in addition to releasing your phone records, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Adam Schiff would have done something else, and then, then they'd have been after you. Like, it's just crazy. So that's the double standard that drives Americans, just drives them nuts, and I don't, I don't blame them. It drives you and me nuts as well. Yeah. If you look and you get, if you had a crystal ball, because your crystal ball has been pretty good about this. If you look, you were way ahead of other people in seeing what was wrong in this Russia case. Uh, where does this end up? Do we have a few indictments, uh, more firings, more reforms? What's the mix that you would like to see to make sure that this sort of behavior doesn't extend into the future and we don't have another Russia collusion case? Yeah, I, I, I hate to predict here because you just you just never know uh, if, if you got a case that can actually be prosecuted and you can get an indictment. But I, I, I still come back to this. If, if my my if I could just like I think Jim. Jim Comey is still the, the the problem here. He was the guy in charge. He was he, he he was the guy who I think misled. He came and testified so many times. He's the guy. So I still think there are problems there. Um, I don't necessarily know that John Durham will will, will go after Mr. Comey or, or or find that 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 evidence there that would support um, prosecuting him. But remember, it was Comey and McCabe at the top, and. And them, along with Strzok, Page, and Baker, were the five key leaders that ran the two biggest investigations, probably in, in, in certainly recent FBI history. They, they were the problems. And let's hope that uh, they're ultimately held accountable. Yeah, that will be the, the moment of truth for Americans, I think, this summer when we, when we get the Durham readout, whatever that's going to be. Uh, Congressman, one last question. As you look out at the virus outbreak and how do you think the country is doing yeah. and what, what's the next few weeks look like you know, for Congress? What is Congress going to try to do? What are you doing personally? And, and how do we all help as Americans to get through this? Yeah, well, I mean, frankly, we're just I'm, I'm on the phone a lot, you know, various conference calls. And uh, yesterday I talked to a number of our hospital CEOs and just doing the, the things you do as a member of Congress and trying to represent good folks in, in your respective district. Right. Um my attitude is Americans have gotten through all kinds of things. We'll get through this. Um, there's just an attitude Americans have. I said this yesterday on, a, on an interview. I said, you know, my favorite scripture verse is, is 2 Timothy 4, 7. And it's uh, Paul, Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, fight the good fight, finish the course, keep the faith. And I like it because of the, the action in it. Fight, finish, keep. <laughs> um, that is, that is, that are, those are words that, that you just naturally associate with, uh, with our great country. And it seems to be they're, they're appropriate, uh, represents an attitude that if we keep, uh, that attitude, uh, will be, uh, will be just fine. Yeah, for sure. Those are the, the recipe that got us through everything from the revolutionary to World War II to 9-11. And I'm sure it'll get us through here as well. Yeah. Well, sir, we're so lucky to have you on the show and thank you for all you've done to highlight the, the problems in the FBI. A lot of people think this was a partisan bickering exercise it wasn't at the end of the day this is about protecting nope. civil liberties and you were one of the very first to jump into that fire sometimes at great cost the truth is you were one of the very first maybe the first to start writing about this stuff to see that something was up here so we appreciate uh we appreciate uh, your work over a the, the long haul you said you think back about it there were really only about 10 12 of us inside congress and outside congress and in, in the true. press who were willing to do the work to, to bring something to light that was that is when you really analyze it is very frightening. So and you were the you were the the, the point of that and uh, we uh, 
I really appreciate it. There's so many Americans do as well. So congratulations on all the new things you got going. And uh, good, it's, it's been good to be with you today. Thank you, sir. Well, you keep safe and keep healthy. And let's hope we get America back to the way it was in, a, in the not so distant future. <laughs> Thanks again. It was good to have you on the show. All right. Take care, buddy. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Wow, what an interview with Jim Jordan, an extraordinary uh, flyover of all things that we've learned in Russia and what ails the FBI. we got to get on top of that, uh, even as we deal with this coronavirus. That's another pandemic epidemic that afflicts our civil liberties. And uh, again, also, we need to stay safe. We need to stay apart from each other, do our part, pitch in. I think the congressman said it right. We're always best when we fight and then we uh, we get to our finish line and then we move on. That's what America does. So stay healthy. We'll be back with you next week with a new round of shows. And until then, have a good week and enjoy that time with your family. Be safe, be healthy, and be happy to be an American. We'll be with you soon. History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not. Or even if you did, like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, you heard me, for free. You don't get anything free in the Biden economy today. I personally recommend you sign up for the American Citizenship and its Decline. It's with my good friend, the great historian, Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, VDH, as I like to call him, explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. So start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, today. How do you do that? Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash justnews to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. And it's an easy URL to remember. All you got to do, go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews. One more time, hillsdale.edu slash just news. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.